0: that we would see the light of the world, the one who has come to set us free. Pray that over these next few moments, we would be able to set aside all of the distractions of our lives, all the things that would keep us from hearing your word. May your Holy Spirit have free reign in our hearts as we study what is in front of us this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, folks. You can have a seat. It's good to be back with you. Many of you know that Melody and I have been away for the past month on our vacation. Several of you welcomed welcomed us back. We appreciate that. I have to say that right around November 28th or 29th, it was touch and go as to whether we would actually come back. And then uh, we had a phone call and talked with Gavin for a while, and after we were done, I looked over and Melody was a little misty, and she said, okay, I'm ready to go home. So... uh, It was rough seeing the thermometer drop. It seemed like every hundred miles we lost about three degrees. Uh, And then Thursday morning when we woke up in our own beds, it was two inches of snow and ice on the ground. So we're here, and I guess it's Christmas time. So uh, I always tease Tim because he starts listening to Christmas music in September, and it drives me insane. We'll come into the office, and he's got, you know, God rest ye merry gentlemen going when I've got shorts and a T-shirt on. And uh, I need snow before I want to hear Christmas music, so that's my fault out there, and I I apologize. But we are entering the Christmas season, and so I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about electromagnetic radiation, specifically electromagnetic radiation that is perceivable by the human eye. Now, I know that you're aware that for electromagnetic radiation to be perceivable by the human eye, it needs to be between 400 and 790 terahertz, and in wavelength that can't exceed 750 nor be less than 380 nanometers. Let's talk about light this morning. Light is electromagnetic radiation that transmits in a certain frequency that we can see. Now, light, whether you've thought about it in this way or not, is one of the most profound subjects in the field of science. There there are scientists, people much, much more intelligent than I am, that dedicate their whole lives to studying light. And yet, in some ways, light is also very simple, because even a toddler knows that when he flicks on the switch, he can see his toys, Light is essential to survival. The sun causes warmth and stimulates growth so that, so that plants and crops grow that we can eat and animals can eat those things and then we get to eat them. Sunlight is very important. Light in general, we couldn't live without it. It's, it's our primary tool for perceiving and understanding and communicating with the world in which we live. Some of you are familiar with the creation story. And if you read the creation story in Genesis chapter 1, you see that light is the very first thing that God created. If you read there in Genesis 1, it says, there was only darkness. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Even there even though we don't always think about it when we read those verses in Genesis 1, what we're seeing is that there has always been and will always be this tension between light and darkness. One of the first things that early inventors and scientists did in the 19th century and into the turn of the 20th century when they started to comprehend Electric, uh, electricity and w- electronic waves and things like that, was to create artificial light to beat back the darkness. Some of you might remember a couple of months ago when we first came into this theater, and uh, we had to do some cleaning and had to do some setting up so that we could do all this uh, stuff and have church here. And some of you were here before we had figured out how to work the light panels there's a very complicated lighting system here and breaker panels in every corner. And we walked into these rooms and it was absolutely pitch black. You could see nothing because none of the light from the outside was allowed to come in. It's the reason why we put night lights in children's rooms. It's the reason why even I, at my age, and <clears throat> I'm not scared of the dark, but the first thing I do when I come into the dark house is flick on a light. We have an almost visceral reaction to darkness. And it's hard for us to imagine our emotional and mental well-being without light. In fact, light is very important to our spiritual lives as well. And I want to suggest to you this morning that Satan has spent thousands of years trying to beat back and stamp out The light of the truth of Jesus Christ. And for the next four weeks, for these next four Sundays, we're going to talk about Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. We're going to do that from the first 18 verses of the book of John. So if you have your Bible with you this morning, join me in John chapter 1, where John tells us that the light has shined into the darkness. Now, how many of you have ever read the Gospel of John? How many of you have ever read the Gospel of John? In the other theaters, you can raise your hand. I can see you, by the way, so, you know. All right. A lot of you have read the Gospel of John. Now, the Gospel of John is very, very interesting because it contains a lot of what we know about the person of Jesus Christ. And it is profoundly theological. It's very, very deep. Some of the things that John talks about are incredibly complex as we work through our faith and what the Word of God tells us about being a Christ follower and living in this world. And yet John also contains some of the verses that children learn for the very first time when they start memorizing the Bible. John, uh, for three years, John spent close personal time with the Lord Jesus, perhaps as much as almost every day, he was literally in Jesus' shadow, walking with him, listening to him, learning from him, communicating and interacting with him, and John wants us to know Jesus the way that he did, and so I want you to see how John introduces us to Jesus. Look at John chapter 1, verse 1. So what I want you to think about this morning is that Jesus Christ is the light which defeats the darkness of this world. Jesus Christ is the light that defeats the darkness of this world. Now it's critical that we see when John introduces us to Jesus, he does so, what I would describe, or the way that I would describe it is, he does it very theologically, That's how he introduces Jesus to us. I think that's important. Now, I love theology. I love teaching it. Many of you have been in some of my theology classes. Tomorrow afternoon, I'm starting another theology class with some of our high school students. Right after Christmas, I'm going to start another one for the adults. I'd love to have you join me with with us as we do that. I love theology, not because I'm a nerd, not because I like big, thick, dusty books or or tweed sport coats with elbow patches. But I love to know what the Word of God has to say. What is the truth? I don't want to have philosophical discussions that lead nowhere because I'm more practical than anybody is, but I want you to know this about the truth, folks. You have to know it Before you can respond to it. Okay? I'm a practical guy. I like to get things done. I've told you many times that I like to make lists. I like to get things done. I'm a doer. I'm task oriented. I'm all those things. But you need to know the truth before you can respond to it. You need to know who Jesus is before you can obey him. Before you can put what he says into practice. You may not have thought about this too much, but everything that you do, you had to learn at some point. It's the reason why we only spend an hour a week like this together, right? We only spend an hour like this, and we spend half of it teaching, because you must know the truth before you can respond to it. And the truth about Jesus must be known. I'm going to show you in a few minutes why that is so incredibly important. But let's look at this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So in establishing the identity of Jesus, John places him where you would expect to see God, in the beginning. Who knows where, what the other spot is where we see that phrase. In the beginning. Where do we see that? Genesis, right? Genesis 1-1. Those are the very first words of the Bible. In the beginning. So John, being a student of the Old Testament, and knowing that the Bible begins by saying, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John says, In the beginning was the Word. Now, this is the only place... And John is the only person who calls Jesus the Word. Why does he do that? Well, the Word, Word, in Greek, is the word logos. L-O-G-O-S, logos. And it means the expression or the articulation of thought. Now, let me tell you why this is important. The Holy Spirit inspired John to do this for a very important reason. The Jews who spoke Greek... Use the word logos to describe almighty God of heaven speaking. When they used the word logos, they were thinking about the law that God had given them that they needed to obey. That's what they were thinking about. Now, to the Greeks and the Gentiles, they used the word logos in a very different way. They believed that Lagos was the impersonal, unseen, guiding force that kept the universe moving, kept the world going. And so John says, in the beginning was Lagos. In the beginning was the word. So to the Jews, God is saying, my truth is not some cold set of facts. It's not some list of do's and don'ts. To the Greeks, at the very same time, he's saying, the universe is not being perpetuated by some unseen impersonal force. Lagos is a person, and that person is Jesus. John felt very strongly about this. He also wrote the book of 1 John. And in 1 John 1.1, 1, 1, John said, This book is about Jesus, the one that we have seen, the one that we have touched, the one that we have handled, the word of life. So John wants us to make no mistake that Lagos, the truth of God, Logos, the unseen force that manages and controls this world and this universe, is a person. That person is Jesus. That person is God. That's what he says here. In the beginning was the word. The word was there means continuous, endless, timeless existence. If we were to read this literally, we would say Jesus, Logos, Was God, is God, always will be God. The deity of Jesus Christ is an essential, non-negotiable tenet of our faith. If you have ever done the Theology 101 class with me, and I know a lot of you have, we spend one week, we spend an hour and a half talking about the deity of of Jesus, the fact that Jesus is God. And John wants us to know that from the beginning of the gospel. If you know very much about the New Testament, you know the first book of the New Testament is what? Nobody knows anything about the New Testament. It's Matthew, okay? Matthew. And Matthew does this long genealogy. He tells all about Jesus uh, Human heritage all the way from Adam all the way to Jesus. And then he talks about the angel coming to Joseph and telling him that Mary is going to have a baby and and it's okay. It's a miracle of the Holy Spirit. She's not been immoral, but there's been a miracle and she's going to have a child. And the child is going to be Jesus and he's going to save Israel from their sin. And if you look at the book of Luke, which is the third book in the New Testament, Luke launches into this this, uh, narrative surrounding the birth of Jesus. I don't know if you do this, some of you in your homes, but in our home we always read the second chapter of Luke on Christmas morning before we open our gifts and remind ourselves of the story surrounding the birth of Jesus. Mark who's kind of a no-nonsense guy, just jumps right in and tells us what Jesus is doing. He doesn't even mention his birth. All of a sudden, Jesus is 30 years old, and he's doing miracles. But John very carefully makes sure before we hear anything else about Jesus that we understand that he is God. Look at verse 3 of John 1. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So John reinforces the fact that Jesus is God by attributing the work of creation to him. Who alone has the power to create the world? God. And John says here, Jesus did it. Therefore, Jesus is God, which leads us to these other two statements that we need to look at this morning. One is in verse 4. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Now when you read that phrase, in him was life, what are you thinking about? I'm presupposing that you're all thinking. What are you thinking about? In him was life. We just read everything that was made was made by him. Without him was nothing made that was made. So when John says, in him was life, I'll, I'll just tell you what you're thinking. You're thinking... Well, yeah, he created the world. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God says, Let us make man in our image. And so he took the dust of the earth and he picked it up and he formed it. And what did he do? He breathed what? Life into him. In him was life. Okay, we got it. Well, now comes the part of the show that you've all been looking for your Greek lesson. In Greek, there are two words for life. I've told you many times before that Greek is a very specific language. There are multiple words for things that we only have one word for, such as love and another, and life is another one. There are two words for life. One of them is the word bios, B-I-O-S. You recognize that word because it was your favorite subject in high school. Biology. Bios is simply the study of human life. Bios means physical life. But there's another word in Greek that, that's, that is used for life as well, and it's the word zoe. Zoe. Z O E. And zoe is spiritual life. And so when John, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes John 1 4, he says, In Jesus was Guess which one? Zoe. In Jesus was Zoe. We know in Jesus is by us. We know he created the world. We know he breathed life into humans. We know that every child born on the face of this earth has life and breath in him from God. But John here says, In Jesus was Zoe. Spiritual life, eternal life. The word was here is the same one that's used in verse 1. Continuously, endlessly, timelessly in Jesus is the spiritual eternal life. While creation came into being by God's power and the sound of His voice, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and all that was happening, at this same time, Jesus possessed this life, this zoe, this eternal existence, timelessly. And this eternal, timeless existence, which had no beginning and depends on no one or nothing, John says, is the light of all mankind. So what you see here is that John is distinguishing here for us. I hope that you can follow what I'm doing here, but... John is distinguishing there is a physical plane on which we live life and then there is a spiritual plane on which we live life. God created the heavens and the earth. He created this ground that we walk on. He breathed life into you through your ancestors way back in that very beginning, the first moment of time. That is our physical life which we live and Yet here, John says there's another plane. There's a spiritual life which Jesus possesses eternally, timelessly, and that life is the light of all mankind. God expressed to us in the middle of the darkness of this world all of his truth and all of his power and all of his life in Jesus. Now the reason why I think it's so critical for us to understand these two different planes, the physical plane on which we live our earthly lives and the spiritual plane on which we can live in Jesus Christ, is that so often, and I'm sure many or maybe even all of you have experienced this, there's not a lot of light in this earthly plane on which we live life. Can anybody relate to that at all? There's not a lot of light sometimes. Some would say, many would say, in fact, if we were to talk to them about the gospel, if we were to talk to them about the hope of Jesus Christ, what it means to be saved, what it means to surrender your life to Christ, many would say, well, if I was to do that, that may sound interesting on some level, but if I was to do that, then that would take all the fun out of my life then I wouldn't be able to do this that I enjoy or that that I enjoy or be with these people that I enjoy. And I want to suggest to you that real life, life the way that God intends for it to be lived, can only be found in Jesus Christ. You see, bias, physical life on this earthly plane, exists in all of God's creatures. That he has created. But Zoe, this spiritual life that is the light of all mankind, exists only in and through Jesus. Now I had mentioned that we just got back from our vacation. And uh, I was trying to think of a way to illustrate what I mean by this. And and this is what came to my mind. And so I hope you'll forgive forgive this Kind of personal uh, illustration, but I'm 51 years old, and Melody and I have been married for 28 years, and we dated for three or four years before that. And I can honestly say that she is the only woman that I have ever loved. Now, I've loved her for a long time, and God has blessed us, and we have enjoyed our life together there was something about this month being away together. The time that we spent together, the conversations that we had on Sunday mornings, we, we sat on the couch and we opened our Bibles and we, we read scripture back and forth to each other and we, we discussed it, we talked about what it meant and what, about it meant, what it meant in our lives and the things that we were thinking about and the things that we were struggling with. We prayed together for each other, for our son for our family members, some of whom are walking with God and some of our family members are not. And we prayed for them. We we shed tears over them. We prayed for you. We prayed for our church together. And I realized, again, not that I haven't realized this before, but in some kind of a new way this month, I have a wife who deeply loves God, who is who is. Warm and smart and deep and beautiful. And I'm enjoying my life on a different plane than just the physical. I am enjoying what God has done, what God has given to me in our relationship and in my heart. Our life is not perfect. I'm not perfect. I'll let her tell you if she's perfect or not. But I'll be honest, I'm not perfect. We don't have everything that the world has to offer. But the life of Jesus, the Zoe life of Jesus, is our light. It has changed our lives. And we don't just share physical life. We share this spiritual life. And I can only find this kind of life in obedience to Jesus because He is the only one that has it to give. Look at the last verse, verse 5. John goes on to say, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus shines in the darkness, the darkness of this world. This life is a battle. It's a war between light and darkness. I think it's no mistake when God designed this world that it is typified by the fact that every day, as much as we enjoy seeing the sun, even on days like today when it's only 25 degrees, we still love to see it, that every night, or at this time of year in Maine, every middle of the afternoon, it starts to what? Go like this behind the trees, behind the hills. You know, it's because we live in the hills of Oxford County. If we lived in Kansas, we'd see the sun for probably an extra hour. But it goes down behind the hill, and what happens? Darkness overtakes us. My friends, that's typical of the war that is going on in this world, the struggle between light and darkness. Isaiah talks about it in Isaiah 59, verse 9, when he says, Justice is far from us. Righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light. And behold, darkness. We hope for brightness, but we walk in gloom. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at noon as in the twilight. Among those in full vigor, we are like dead men. This is our world without Christ. This is our life without Christ. This is our life lived only on the earthly plane. But John says, this darkness will not overcome the light. Author Leon Morris says it this way, The light and the darkness came into bitter and decisive conflict, but the darkness could not prevail. Satan is furiously trying to stamp out the light. You can see that if you look around you right now in our world You can see that Satan is using whatever means necessary to stamp out the light, but he will not do it because Jesus Christ is the light which defeats the darkness of this world. I'll read you a couple of verses here as we close. In John 8, 32, this is what Jesus is saying. He says it this way in John 8, You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. To know and to understand, to acknowledge, to accept the truth of the fact that Jesus Christ is God, the light of the world, this is the truth that you must acknowledge. Earlier in that chapter, John 8, 24, he says this. He is saying this to a group of people who are, who are struggling to believe the identity of Jesus as he is presenting himself. Struggling to believe that he is God. John 8, 24, Jesus says, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. No one who rejects the true identity of Jesus, no one who rejects the deity of Jesus can be saved. It's not possible. Jesus came into the world to bring hope, to bring life, to bring light into this darkness. And it's important for us, even for us who are Christ followers, who have already accepted this truth, already believe that Jesus Christ is the light, already believe that He is the life, it's critical for us to understand that He is doing that work even now of defeating the darkness. John said it this way in 1 John 2.8, the darkness is passing away and the true light is, is already shining. And I want to encourage you this morning that despite the darkness all around us, it is in fact in the process of passing away. Jesus Christ is in fact already shining in this world. This morning we're going to celebrate communion together. We're going to celebrate Christ's life, His sacrifice, if you have acknowledged Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have acknowledged His deity, if you believe that truth that He is God, that He is who He says He is, that He alone possesses this life that He gives freely to all of us, then you have that light. You have the life by which you can live in this dark world. And I want to encourage you to take communion with us this morning. I'm going to pray in just a moment And after I do that and the band leads us in a song, I'd encourage you to take a moment to bow your head, to thank God for the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have anything in your heart that needs to be confessed, Paul says, now is the time to do it before we celebrate together. And then I'll invite you to go ahead and eat the bread and drink the cup as we sing this song together. In John chapter 12 and verse 46, Jesus said this, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Jesus Christ is the light of this world and the darkness will not overcome him. Let's pray together, please. We'll have communion, then we'll come back and close. Father, thank you so much for the truths of the Gospel of John. Thank you so much for these words inspired by the Holy Spirit to our hearts. And I pray for every person that is here this morning, for those who are listening at home, for those who may listen to this on a later date, that they would look deeply into their hearts and examine themselves and and confirm in their hearts and minds that they have trusted you as their Savior, that Jesus Christ is their light, that they might enjoy spiritual life, the kind that can only be found in Him. We thank you for Christ's birth, his life, his death, his sacrifice on the cross for us. And I pray that you would be honored this morning as we celebrate communion together. In his name we pray. Amen. The darkness of this world will not overcome the light. In fact, he is already overcoming the darkness. And it began with his birth. I just want to encourage you with one thought as we close this morning as we go. Remember that Jesus Christ and all who trust Him will have ultimate victory. What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means, folks. It means whatever difficulty that you as a Christ follower are experiencing right now, whatever suffering that might exist in your life today, it will not be the final experience of your life. See, when we're in the middle of this life, lived on this bios, on this earthly plane, sometimes it's all we can see. But because of the light of the light of Jesus Christ, that will not be the end of your life. In Romans chapter 16, Paul said it this way, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And then he says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. He will soon crush Satan. Satan is being crushed He has not been completely crushed. That is evident in our world today. But the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ sustains us until that day. The light cannot overcome the darkness because the light is Jesus and Jesus is God. John 12, 36. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become the sons of light. The light is our hope and the light is Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for this privilege to come together, for this privilege to worship you. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ and his light which lights this entire world, not only physically but certainly spiritually, this life that he freely gives to all who trust him. Father, may not one person leave here this morning without understanding that this light, this life is available to them. And for those of us who walk in this light, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ sustain us until that day when we stand before you and the light has been extinguished or the darkness has been extinguished stamped out. For there we know in your presence in heaven, Revelation says there's no need of the sun anymore because the glory of Jesus Christ is our light. We look forward to the day when we never see sunset again, physically or spiritually. Father, sustain us until then by the grace of Jesus. I pray that we as brothers and sisters and as family would encourage and strengthen each other even today as we keep going on this path you have given us. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, folks. I hope you have a great week.